you're able to remain standing, please do so. Take your copies of God's Word and turn with me to John chapter 7. John chapter 7, we'll begin at verse 32 and read tonight through verse 39. Hear now the word of God. It is infallible, it is inerrant, it is God speaking to us, so let us pay close attention. The Pharisees heard the crowd muttering these things about him. and The chief priests and Pharisees sent officers to arrest him. Jesus then said, I will be with you a little longer, and then I'm going to him who sent me. You will seek me, and you will not find me. Where I am, you cannot come. The Jews said to one another, where does this man intend to go that we will not find him? Does he intend to go to the dispersion among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? What does he mean by saying, you will seek me, and you will not Find me, and where I am, you cannot come. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet, the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. The grass withers and the flower fades away, but the word of our God endures forever. You may be seated. Last Sunday evening, we looked at verses 14 through 31 of John 7, and we heard the question asked, could this be the Christ? We saw three ways by which Jesus is the Christ. First, He is the the Christ, for His doctrine is the doctrine of God. Second, He is the Christ, for He reveals the heart. And third, Jesus is the Christ, for He has been sent from God. Now, we are still in that time of the Feast of the Tabernacles, where Jesus went up, or the Feast of, of Booths, that we saw Him going up secretly at the first part, of John 7. And as we have stated the last few weeks, Jesus and his teaching, his preaching, his very life always elicits a response. We see this again tonight as we come to our text. Jesus uses this occasion in particular to give an invitation to come and to have your spiritual thirst Now, can you ever recall a time in your life where you are so physically thirsty that you did not think you would make it another step unless you got a drink of water? I doubt any of us here tonight have had a, a physical thirst such as that, that if we did not get something to drink very soon, we would die. We don't know what it means to be physically thirsty in that way, but we do know what it means to be Spiritually thirsty. And we all have experienced this in our lives. And Christ tells all 
who recognize their spiritual thirst to, to come to him and drink. And so the answer for our spiritual thirst is Christ. And we have heard Jesus previously in John 4 verse 14 say this, But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. And so now Jesus points men to the fact that they are spiritually thirsty and that they must come to him as the feast of the tabernacles is drawing to a close. And so there are three things I want us to see here tonight. The first is this, the the spiritual thirst that exists in all men, in the unconverted. Everyone has a spiritual thirst in their souls. Now what do we do with that thirst? Well, we try to quench that thirst with the things of this world, or maybe we even deny that we have such a a spiritual thirst. We know everyone who is born in this world is in a sense, a spiritual desert. They are dead in sins and trespasses. We know of that truth ourselves. For we have tasted and we know of that thirst that we once had that was quenched by the Lord. But we also know this, that none of those things that we sought after helped. And none of those things that we were seeking after to quench that thirst ever gave us what we, we desire, to have that spiritual thirst quenched completely. And so a, a spiritual thirst, a spiritual dryness, is a sign of being unconverted. And this is what Jesus is getting at as, as we look at our text tonight. But what does it mean to be unconverted? Well, first of all, it means that we cannot that Jesus is in a place that we cannot be at this moment in time. In verse 32, the Pharisees heard the crowd muttering. What did they do? Well, they did what they always wanted to do with Jesus. They sent officers, the chief priests and the Pharisees, sent officers to arrest him. Now, what was the response of the crowd? Well, they were muttering what? We looked at last week, some were saying, some believed in him and said, when the Christ appears, will he do more signs than this man has done? And so the Pharisees heard this. And so they they decide now is the time to arrest Jesus, at least in their minds. And so Jesus uses this occasion to show them their unbelief. In verses 33 and 34, Jesus then said, I will be with you. A little longer, and then I am going to him who sent me. You will seek me, and you will not find me. Where I am, you cannot come. Jesus revealed that he would only be with him for a little while longer. Now, he knew what he meant. He knew that he was going to the cross and he was going to die on that cross for the sins of his people. He would be buried. In a tomb, he would be raised on the third day. And then 40 days later, he would ascend up into heaven. But even during the days between his resurrection and ascension, he was not always appearing to people. He was not always appearing to the masses in Israel as he is 
at this moment in time. He is going to return to the one who sent him to his father in heaven. And when he returned, they would look for him. They would wonder where did he go, but they could not go where Jesus was going. At this moment in time, as Jesus spoke these words, they could not go to the Father because they were spiritually dead. They were not trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. They were not looking to Him to have their spiritual thirst quenched. And what Jesus says was foreign to them. This is also a sign of being unconverted. You hear the word of God, you read the Bible, and you don't understand it. It's foreign to your heart or your mind. And and what he was saying was foreign to them. Notice their response in verse 35. Where does this man intend to go that we will not find him? They were confident that Jesus could not hide from them. Wherever he would go, he, they would search him out and they would find him. They thought maybe he would go to the, the dispersion among the Greeks. Maybe he would go and teach them. And they asked the question in verse 36. What does he mean by saying you will seek me and will not find me? And where I am, you cannot come. They did not understand what Jesus was saying. That they, at that moment in time, could not go where he was going. Because they were not looking to him. They were not trusting in him. They were not believing in him. And so to be unconverted means that no matter what we try to quench our spiritual thirst, we will never be able to quench it. Unless we seek to quench it with the living water that God has provided. So the second thing we see tonight is the quenching of that spiritual thirst in verse 37. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Jesus uses this opportunity to preach a sermon. Very simple sermon, one sentence long. It was the the last, the most important day of the Feast of Booths or Tabernacles. That would make it the eighth day of the feast. And what had transpired each of those previous seven days? Well, on each of the, the previous seven days, a priest would fill a golden picture with water from the pool of Siloam. He would then be accompanied by a solemn procession. He would return to the temple and amid the sounding trumpets and the shouting of the multitudes, he would pour it out through a funnel which led to the base of the altar of burnt offering. Their minds would be filled with what we find in Isaiah 12 and verse 3. Therefore, with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. And so it was a week after the people seeing this every day that Jesus now stands up and proclaims that he is that well of salvation. Notice the three words that Jesus uses here, thirst, come, and drink. First, he says, if anyone thirsts. 
Again, all men thirst. All men have a thirst that can only be quenched by Jesus. And Jesus states this in, in such a way that only those who realize their thirst will come to have it quenched. Now, how can a man dead in sins and trespasses realize that he has a thirst that needs to be quenched. Well, that's where God the Holy Spirit steps in and begins to work in such a man's heart. He begins to see his sin. He begins to see his need of a Savior. And, and he begins to understand that thirst that he had all along, but he tried to quench in many different ways. John Calvin put it this way, hence it arises that many persons... Do not stir a foot, but wretchedly wither and decay. And there are even very many who are not affected by a perception of their emptiness until the Spirit of God by His own fire kindle hunger and thirst in a person's heart. And so as a person understands and realizes their thirst, then Jesus says to them, let him come to me. Come signifies our approach to an object or a person. To come to Christ means that you do with your heart and will what you would do with your feet if Jesus were standing in bodily form before you saying, come unto me. To come unto Jesus is an act of faith. It intimates that you have turned your back upon the world, that you have abandoned all confidence in the flesh, and now you cast yourself empty-handed at the feet of the one who is incarnate grace and truth. Jesus is saying, come to me. Recognize your thirst, and as you recognize that thirst, come to Christ. And then what do we do? We drink. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Now again, what would you do if you were dying of thirst and had water in front of you? Well, if you did not drink, you would be an idiot. We would all drink of that water. You, we all have heard stories of people out in the desert for many days and they're thirsty and they see that mirage of water and they go to it only to find out that it's no water, it's just sand. We all know that we need water physically to survive. And we would drink that water without hesitation if we were dying of thirst and we came across it. Arthur Pink said a river flowing through a country where people were dying of thirst would avail them nothing unless they drink of it. It will do them no good unless they actually drink of that water. And so drinking here is a figurative expression which signifies that we make Christ our own. That we come to Him in faith. We recognize that He alone can quench our thirst, that there is no other one, there is no other thing that can quench our thirst, only Jesus. And we come to Him in faith and we drink, we believe, we trust. We fall at his feet. It is that coming to Christ and finding him 
once we recognize our thirst and our need of Him because of our sins. And so that coming to Christ, that trusting in Jesus, that having our thirst revealed to us by the Holy Spirit is the only way that we can then have that thirst quenched. But then what is the result of this? What is the result of having our spiritual thirst quenched? Well, Jesus tells us in verses 38 and 39. Verse 38, he says, Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And again, this is a figurative expression. There's no rivers of water flowing from our hearts tonight, physically. But there is a constant overflow of rivers of living water that should flow out from us who are God's children. And it should flow out from us to all that we come into contact with. William Hendrickson said this, not only do those who drink from the fountain. Christ received lasting satisfaction for themselves, everlasting life, salvation full and free. But in addition, life in a bounteous man- manner communicates itself to others. In other words, as we come to Christ and we drink and we, we put our faith and trust in him, then we in return out of us flow Rivers of living water. We are to be a blessing to others. How do we do this? Well, one way we do this is by telling others of Christ. Of sharing the gospel with those we come into contact with. Maybe you're a little afraid to share the gospel. One way you can do it is invite people to come and hear the gospel on the Lord's day. You know of people who or unchurched, or who are not believers, you know of people who may be going to a church that doesn't preach the gospel, say, come with me. Come and worship and and hear of of the Christ. But as we are to be the blessing to others, we need help in that as well, and that help is found in the Holy Spirit. Verse 39, now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in Him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Now we need to be careful here, because some would say that the Spirit was not active at this moment in time. The Spirit has always been. He's God. In the beginning, God. Let us make man in our image. It's the spirit that breathed over the waters, the Ruach of God, that, that, that breathed out these things that we see as God spoke them into existence. The spirit has always been at work. Now what is being referenced here is the way that Jesus said the spirit would come. The spirit had not yet been sent in that way that Jesus promised it he would be sent. And so what happened when the Spirit was sent, as Jesus promised? Well, think of that power of the Spirit, how it is symbolized. How is he symbolized? Well, by two of the greatest forces of nature, wind and fire. We hear of that in the book of Acts. 
And then as the Spirit came, as Jesus promised, what happened? The church was filled with the Holy Spirit. He will never depart from the church. And the Spirit was given. And Christ said that He may abide with you forever. And so through the power of the Holy Spirit, what happened to the church? The church became a witnessing church. And men previously who were cowards, we think of Peter, they were converted into courageous preachers. And every disciple became an evangelist. And went out and told everyone of Christ. The Spirit would be sent in the way that Jesus promised when? When Jesus was glorified. And we know that Jesus kept His Word. We will hear of that promise later in this Gospel when Jesus spoke to His disciples and told them that the Helper, the Paraclete, the Spirit would come and He would help them in everything. And one way that the Spirit helps us is by guiding us in all truth. This morning we looked at two different prophets and we heard of two prophets. Again, one of the prophets lied. The, the, the man of God should have known that the other prophet lied because he was contradicting the Word of God. And so how do we know if something is from the Spirit of God? It must conform to the Word of God. It is the Spirit that leads God's people into all truth. And so what application can we make here tonight? Well, let me ask you, first of all, has your spiritual thirst been quenched by Christ? If so, first of all, we are to give thanks to our God. Because we did not quench the thirst on our own. We did not even recognize we had a thirst until God the Holy Spirit came and revealed that to us. And when He revealed that thirst to us, what else did He do? He also revealed Christ to us. Now for many of us, that came through preaching. We heard a sermon. God revealed that we had a thirst that we could not quench. And then He revealed to us that thirst could only be quenched in Christ. And then we heeded the words of Christ, Come, to me and drink. And that all by the grace and mercy of God. But now as God's people. What are we called to do? We are to take that living water. And we are to take it to others. And we do so by the Holy Spirit. The power of of the Holy Spirit that will never depart from us as individuals. And never depart from us as the church, it is the Holy Spirit that enables us to be more than we ever expect to be in and for the kingdom of Christ. And so if your spiritual thirst has been quenched by Christ, praise God. Thank Him tonight that by His Spirit you are enabled to see your need of Christ and come to Him in faith and drink of that water. But then second of all, if your spiritual thirst has not been quenched, then what are you to do tonight? You are to come to Christ and drink. If you recognize your spiritual thirst here this evening, 
understand this. God is drawing you to Christ in faith. God is beginning to open up spiritual things to your heart and your mind. He's showing you what you are apart from Christ. And if that is the case, then all that you can do tonight is come and drink. Come to Christ as He gives the command. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Now again, we all know what time of year it is in our area and Many tonight and have been over the last few months and will continue through Tuesday and and then Wednesday they'll go to a church and they'll have some ashes put on their head and they'll think, well, now that work makes me right with God. They have yet to recognize their spiritual thirst. They're trying to quench it in all different ways, none of which will bring them that relief that they seek. And they have yet to come to Christ in faith. And they believe that their works will quench that spiritual thirst. And they're always disappointed. So if God is drawing you tonight, come to Christ. Come and drink. And and stop trying to quench your spiritual thirst by any other means than Jesus. You are to come to Him. You are to repent of your sins and drink of Christ. And if you do that, you'll never be spiritually thirsty again. Now in a few moments, we are all going to come and drink. And we're going to come to this table that is set before us. And we're going to drink of that wine and eat of that bread and be reminded of Of what Christ has done for us. As we come to the table. We do so because our spiritual thirst. Is no longer found in us. It is quenched. We are no longer thirsty. It has been fulfilled. And and completely eradicated by Jesus. And so as we come to the table. We give God thanks. Again God did not have to save any one of us. He was under no obligation to save any of us who are here tonight. It was solely by His grace and mercy that any of us have been saved and redeemed. And so Christian, you should be thankful. You should come to this table tonight with great joy, recognizing what Jesus did for you at the cross, recognizing what He did for you in His life, and in, at, in His death, and then in His resurrection, and even in His ascension, and what He will do for us in His return, all of that is wrapped up tonight as we come to the table, the Gospel. Again, the table of our Lord is the only physical picture we have of Jesus that is allowed. And what a beautiful picture it is. Jesus calling us out of unbelief to life, calling us to Himself, calling us to have our thirst quenched by Him and Him alone. And so we come tonight rejoicing. We come thanking God for what Christ has done for us. But if there's any here tonight that is recognizing that thirst, hear the words of Jesus. 
And not only hear them, but do what he says. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. May God add his blessing to the reading, hearing, and preaching of his word. Let us pray. Father, we thank you this evening for that invitation that Jesus gives to us. To come to him and drink because we thirst. Father, I pray for any who are here tonight that at this moment in time, by your Holy Spirit, they are recognizing their own spiritual thirst, their need of Christ. God, I pray that you would not leave them thirsty tonight, but that you would quench their thirst through Jesus. Oh God, we thank you for many of us who are here who have had that thirst quenched. That by your spirit you drew us to Jesus. We came to him and drank. And so now we come to your table. Being reminded of what Jesus has done for us. But also being reminded of what we are called to do in this life here. And now as your people. And looking forward to that glorious return of Christ. God as we come to the table. May it be a means of grace for your people. May we come rejoicing and giving thanks in Jesus. And we thank you for his body and blood that was given and shed for us. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.